I think the key to this is finding the universal truth that everybody will subscribe to. That's key. That's critical. So if you can find that one universal truth that everybody nods at and says, yes, you're right. I agree with you on that. The rest becomes easy. Hi, everyone. Once again, welcome to Market Share. This is where I chat to people who influence the way brands are built, big brands and small. Today, we will discuss a very big brand, a country. So, how do you rebuild a country whose government was corrupt, whose economy collapsed, whose unemployment rate was more than 25%, a country whose young people were leaving in droves looking for a new opportunity, and a country that had to be bailed out by the IMF? Sound familiar? Nope, I'm not talking about South Africa talking about Greece. But here's the twist. It took a South African to help rebuild brand Greece. At its core, a brand is a symbol of trust. If people trust the brand, they'll believe in it. Citizens had lost trust in Greece completely. Grexit or Greek crisis erupted in 2010 when it became clear that Greece could not service its debt. The situation got worse when it became apparent that in 2008, the Greek government had misrepresented its finances when adopting the euro. Greeks felt betrayed, ashamed, and angry. There were riots in the streets and economic hardship hit. Greeks wanted to leave the EU, but instead the government applied for a third bailout. Greece was a total mess. So today I'm joined from Athens by Peter Economides, an ex-South African and a marketer. Peter's received many awards for his efforts to revive and rebrand Greece, including a Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Hellenic Council and three citations from the U.S. Congress. Not bad for a boy from, I was going to say Benoni, but apparently you're from Germany. <laughs> There's a big difference between Germiston and Benoni. Yeah, the well, difference is about 30 kilometers, okay? <laughs> yeah. But welcome and how's it, Peter? Thank you for joining me. My first question is, how did you land up in Greece? I started working in advertising in South Africa. Um, actually, I kicked off at Pepsi-Cola in South Africa. I was advertising and promotions manager. I then uh, joined McCann Erickson in Johannesburg. And after about two years, they transferred me to Hong Kong, where I was a regional director working out of the Hong Kong office, managing clients across Southeast Asia. One day I got a phone call from some guy in New York and he says to me, you're Greek, aren't you? I said, yeah. He says, uh, do you speak Greek? I said, fluently. Huge lie. I didn't speak a word. A and lie. they sent me to Greece as the CEO of McCann Erickson here in Greece. So I came over, I learned Greek and uh, I spent about six years here, which I really enjoyed a lot. And then I moved to Mexico. I spent uh, five years running McCann Erickson Mexico. And then I finally moved to New York, where I was worldwide director of client services, running the Coke business. I then joined uh, TBWA, and uh, I worked there with Paul Tragos in New York, worldwide director of, uh, of clients. And then I made this crazy decision to, to come back to Greece. I guess it was the pull of the sea and sailing and the islands and, and this wonderful Greek way of life, which, uh, you know, being of Greek origin, you really feel. And I moved back here. I worked with TBWA for a while here. And then I started up my own uh, brand consultancy, which is called Felix BNI in 2003. 
And that's what I've been doing since then. Working globally, by the way, um, primarily globally, but with some clients in Greece, um, including the work I did on the, um, the rebranding of Greece, which you, you mentioned earlier. So, I mean, how much Greek could you actually speak when you got back to Greece? Well, I can tell you that I made some terrible mistakes, really bad mistakes. I, I once ordered a salad with um, window shutters, right? Because the, <laughs> the, word, <laughs> the word for beetroot and, and window shutters is very similar in Greek. Bajuria and Bajaria. Fortunately, they didn't have the salad, so I didn't have to eat it. Uh, I made another mistake once. I said every time my grandmother thinks about Greece, she farts. <laughs> I meant to say she cries. <laughs> this guy looks at me and he says, really? I yeah. said, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so I, I, learned, I learned some Greek. I still make mistakes, of course. So. And how did you get involved in the Greek crisis? I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by this whole thing. I'll tell you what happened, Reg. Um, it was 2011, about a year into the crisis. And I was asked to give a talk up in Thessaloniki. And the subject of this conference that I was going to talk at was rebranding Greece. And um, I gave a talk where I said rebranding Greece is really about rebranding Greeks. Okay. And that was my basic message. And I firmly believe that, by the way. The only way to rebrand a country is to make sure that people who live in that country feel differently about that country because that's when they're going to do amazing things and that i think applies to absolutely any nation on earth it applies to every company that i know as well the best way to rebrand a company is to make sure that people inside feel differently about it that's what happened with apple as you well know i mean tbwa back in 1997 i think different that was an internal rebranding exercise so I gave this talk and uh, it went viral. And uh, all of a sudden, a month later, this was on the 11th of November, 2011, 11, 11, 11, by the way. A month later, I was in South Africa and I had received this phone call informing me that I was voted as one of the 10 most influential Greeks in the world for a speech that I'd given a month earlier in Thessaloniki. Wow, that's fantastic. And then how did the Greeks react to that? I mean, what did you say to them? Well, what, what happened after this, a couple of months later, I was asked to talk at a Google conference in Athens on tourism. And I gave a speech where I said that the most common word in the Greek language is the word malaka, which means a jerk. Okay, it's a swear word. And the second most common word is then ginete, which means it can't be done. Because Greeks have got this incredible, it can't be done kind of attitude which comes from corruption that you referred to and bureaucracy and all sorts of stuff. And then I said they combine these words together and it becomes it can't be done, you jerk. <laughs> and and I, I, <laughs> I opened my speech in that way and I said, you know something, if we don't get rid of the then word and stay with the there, in other words, it can be done, uh, we're in deep trouble because we've got to create our way out of this crisis. And, and I gave some examples of the Greek football team in 2004 and the Olympic Games and all sorts of things. And the Parthenon, by the way, which certainly was not built by people who said it can't be done. And, and this talk truly went viral. I mean, big time. I guess it's been viewed by 5 million people um, in Greece and around the world since 2012, which is quite remarkable. And then what happened after that? 
What happened after that is that um, I became very much a focal point, particularly for young Greeks and the whole startup scene in Athens, which at the time didn't exist, frankly. It really gravitated around me. And I became like a, a facilitator, a mentor, helping young Greeks to get stuff done, mentoring them, inspiring them, um, helping them. And uh, one of the significant things that happened was that I was contacted one day by the Dutch embassy. And uh, the Dutch ambassador, who's really a fantastic guy, great friend of mine, Jan Versteer, he's now the ambassador in Spain. He said to me, you know, I want to speak to you. So I went to see him. And he said to me that he wanted to do something to improve the relationship between the Dutch and the Greeks, the Northern Europeans and the, the Mediterraneans. I said, what are you thinking? He said, well, you know, I thought maybe a food festival would be a good idea. I said, you mean beer and cheese and stuff like that? He says, yeah. I said, I don't think that's a good, a good idea at all. And I reminded him that the Dutch have got an incredible reputation for creativity. And what we did is we set up a startup incubator inside the embassy in Athens called the Orange Grove. The Orange Grove is a, a nod to the, um, the national color of the Netherlands, which is orange, of course. A beautiful space, and uh, we invited uh, young startups to make applications and come and live there, literally, and to start up their businesses from there. And we brought in mentors from the Netherlands, Greek mentors. We brought in some of the uh, philanthropic um, associations in Greece. We brought in Dutch companies like Heineken, like Friesland, and it was phenomenal what happened there. 200 startups passed through there, and 25% and of them are viable businesses today, which is an incredibly high success rate. So that's one of the very direct things that happened as a result of, um, of that talk that I gave. Tell me about a quote. There was a, there was a young girl on Facebook who said something. Yeah, I, I can tell you the gist of it. Um, she wrote something to me, and she said... Um, she was begging with me. She said, please do something to fix the name, the bad name of the Greeks, because to fix our living standards will take much longer than that. And she was urging me to, to really do something. And I felt this real cry coming out from this young girl. It was phenomenal. I've got to tell you, Reg, when I read that, I just burst into tears. And I received lots of messages like that, lots and lots of them. It's remarkable. I've actually got it here. Should I read it out? Have you got it? Yes, please. Yeah, she really said, as a Greek, I need to say that I'm Greek and not ashamed of the bad comments I hear behind my back. Please do something to restore the hurt name of every Greek who respects himself and his country and always did. I have a need to restore my name as a Greek immediately because the restoration of our living standards and a lot of other things will take longer. Thank you very much, Peter. Yeah. Very touching, eh? Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You know, Reg, I've received so many messages like that, and every time that I get one of them, it just touches me so deeply. How did you keep the momentum going? And I, I want to talk about it a little more because this attitude of can't do to can do is a hell of a thing to change. Yeah. How did you keep yeah. the momentum going? I know you went on TV and you went on talk shows and you did all sorts of things. Social media played a very significant role. The fact that I had something that was resonating with young kids 
really helped to make this work on social media. And it got a lot of exposure, Facebook, LinkedIn, everywhere. I was then invited to talk on TV shows uh, very frequently. I was interviewed by leading journalists. I was invited onto uh, TV panels. Despite the fact that I, my Greek is not great. I mean, I couldn't really do it in Greek. I was doing it in English, which was amazing. The Greek Ministry of Defense gave an order that that video needed to be shown at every single army camp in Greece. That really made that thing go even more viral. Greeks around the world picked it up. I was invited to talk in California. I was invited to talk in Australia, in the UK, in South Africa. I gave a talk, drawing lessons from the Greek experience in South Africa, actually. I think the trick over here is that this resonated with people. It wasn't branding on a high level. It wasn't talking about the country. It was talking about the people. It resonated with people. This, to me, is the key. That's so important because it's a case of changing sentiment, isn't it? I take South Africa today. I mean, we're kind of in the doldrums, basically. And if you can change the sentiment of the people, it'll lift the whole country. Yeah. And that's what you did, right? Reg, you're absolutely right. And I've got to tell you something. You know, I do a lot of work. Most of my work is changing, you know, companies, um, internal culture, brand. But ultimately, I believe that that's really about internal culture. And I find the most powerful way to do it is to work internally with people. Not to take a brief and come back with some clever campaign, but to really understand what is internally and to make subtle changes, right? To deconstruct it and put it back together again in a more powerful way. That's what I do. And I think that's what powerful branding does, frankly. It does. But I mean, Greece is a fairly homogeneous society. If you take South Africa, we're quite a diverse society. I still think you could do the same thing here, don't you? I think so, Reg. And I think the key to this is finding the universal truth that everybody will subscribe to. That's key. That's critical. So if you can find that one universal truth that everybody nods at and says, yes, you're right. I agree with you on that. The rest becomes easy. And that's right. And actually, it's amazing how the story of internal branding or creating or reviving a culture is exactly the same whether you're selling Coca-Cola or you're selling a country or you're trying to get a country motivated in a country game. Yes. And I guess the same would be said of America right now with the whole Donald Trump thing. I agree with you, Rich. I agree. You know, I often liken all of this to, to the way that a family works. If you think about it, a family becomes a family. It becomes a tight unit, a, a good, strong family. It's all about conversations around the dinner table, about things that are important to those people sitting around that table. Little questions like, what did you do today? What do you want to be when you grow up, right? It's all part of that narrative that holds people together. And that's what I think powerful branding is. It's a narrative that holds people together. Yeah, absolutely. And Peter, let me just talk about you for a little bit. Behind the Peter economy's mask, what do you do for fun? You know, Reg, I love traveling. And traveling has been my life, actually. So, you know, I, I really think that I'm very lucky that I've just spent so much time traveling and visiting so many places around the world and, and working with different people and different cultures. I just love it. And what are you scared of in life? You know, what scares you? Questions like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, number one is snakes. You can't imagine how petrified I am about 
snakes. You cannot imagine, okay? Snakes scare the hell out of me. I nearly stood on a puff adder one day in Cape Town, actually, when I was studying at university there. I almost stepped on him, and oh, I'll never forget that. That's one thing that scares the hell out of me. <laughs> and Greeks bearing gift. Greeks bearing gift. Just going back to Greece, though. Are you still helping Greeks with a can-do attitude, or do you think that's now just rolling? Because, I mean, I look at Greece now, I listened to the Prime Minister of Greece the other day, he spoke so well, and he's so confident about tourism picking up and everything picking up. Do you think the work has been done, or is it a constant thing? You have to keep chasing it. I think that this work is never done. I'm doing work for two major Greek brands right now. One is the biggest bank in Greece. And the other one is the largest supermarket chain. And if you think about it, companies of that kind of size touch every single Greek in one way or another. And if you think of the number of employees that they've got, what I'm doing in my work with these two really big clients is really working on exactly the same kind of attitude, this can-do attitude. I think that this can-do attitude has got to become part of the social dialogue. And it's got to come through at different levels, through the educational system, through business, through um, major institutions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think this work ever ends, frankly. It's what great leadership is all about, if you think about it. I mean, Mandela in South Africa was all about planting the seeds of a, of a positive narrative. You know that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that work never stops. And what South Africa needs now is positive narrative. Well, i gotta, I got to tell you, I'm so proud it was a South African who learned a little bit of Greek and probably speaks better Greek now, was the person who helped lift the Greeks. I think that's fantastic. I think you've done a, a really great job. Thank you, Rich. I'm just going to wrap it up a little bit here and just say, so the, the rebranding of Greece, as you say, has to start with the Greeks themselves. That's what you told me. By lighting the spark of hope and reinvention, Peter had to change their attitude from can't do to can do. Positive energy and belief can rebuild the country. The country from where the word economy originated, creators of the Olympics, had to light their own torch and begin their marathon back into the sun. And as a Greek philosopher once said, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be kindled. And what you did there, Peter, is you kindled the fire in the nation, and I wish you could come and help us kindle the fire in this nation. If I could just add one quote from Aristotle, because I think Aristotle said everything there is to say about branding. He spoke about ethos. Ethos, logos, and pathos. Logos is what you say and what you do. Pathos is the reaction, the emotional reaction you get out of your audience. Ethos is your character, who you are. Aristotle said the following thing. He said, we are what we consistently do. Excellence is not an act, but a habit. And that is born inside ethos, which is the essence of branding. That's great. I want to clap. Can I clap? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Market Share with me, Reg Lascaris. I'll be back soon with another episode giving my take on brands and companies, big and small in South Africa and elsewhere. So chat soon. Cheers.